Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers. Today, as you can see, you got just the two of us. Jeffrey, Alex, we hope that you're feeling all right. They're both a little bit under the weather. Alex has the sniffles. Jeff seems to have come in contact with some sort of poisonous shrub. Conquer illnesses. And said he looked like he just went with 12 rounds with uh, Apollo Creed. So uh, we wish you a speedy uh, road to recovery. We've got a great show planned for you today. But before we begin, as always, please remember to like and comment and subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends, your family, and this week's special listener. Luke, do you, have you got one? A chiropractor. A chiropractor? That's what I got. We don't have time for the pseudoscience on this podcast. Well, that's what you were getting on this podcast. <laughs> Tell your chiropractor. Tell your chiropractor. When you get adjusted and maybe think about getting adjusted. Yeah. Or, or not getting adjusted. I need a good adjustment. Do you? I, I feel do. like you would like a chiropractor. Anyway, so on this episode of Get in the Garage, we talk all things music. We have music news. We will talk Taylor Swift. We will talk Lana Del Rey. We will talk all the great music news of the week, and you will stay informed. Then we will give you two new album reviews from two, or actually one new album review, and we're going to have one throwback review. Because, as requested. As requested. So uh, the yep. new album we're doing is Feed the Beast, the new album by Kim Petras. We're very excited to talk about it. We're very excited to tell you about it. Is it good? Is it bad? All that fun stuff. Then the throwback album that we are doing that I promised here. Um, we've been getting comments ever since we reviewed Did You Know That There Is a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard by Lana Del Rey um, to do other album reviews uh, from her uh, or by her. And even in videos that have nothing to do with Lana Del Rey that we do. Um, yeah. You guys have been commenting, um, review ultraviolence and review this and that. So um, we have an overwhelming amount of responses for ultraviolence by Lana Del Rey, and we yeah. are going to review it for you. Give the people what they want. That's this it. is Get in the Garage. Roll up the garage door. Roll it up. Michael, play a theme song. Wow, this is exciting. Throwing it back. Throwing it back. Look at it old school. It's just the voice. You got the original lineup here. <laughs> A long time ago, we were talking about prog rock in the basement. Now we are talking about. Uh, I think we did. Did we do three a three part Deep Purple series back in the day? We did. It's only on audio. It's on audio only, I should say. But if you're listening on iTunes or if you're listening on, uh, I think Spotify and all like all just the streaming services, if you go way way back into the backlog, you'll you'll hear the original uh, where it was just audio, no video. And me and me and Mike are talking yeah. about some uh, some fun stuff, but uh, deep purple. We're gonna get into it today, and yes. uh, Michael, this is music news. It's been an interesting week for music news. There's been a lot of weird sort of antics uh, as far as live performance is uh, regard, like you know, as far as live performance goes. I would say it's been a so. weird one. Um, it seems like uh, people's concert uh, etiquette has been literally off the rails since yeah. we have come back from COVID. Uh, this week is no different. We've been covering all these crazy things that have happened at concerts. Iron Maiden had flares. Yep. Um, this week, Michael, kick us off with um, what had happened with a cell phone. Okay, yeah. So, um, let's see here. Let me pull it up. Okay, so Bebe Reha, I'm sorry, I'm a 34-year-old man, uh, had a cell phone thrown at her face uh, mid-show in New York and uh, apparently she got she got roughed up pretty bad. We'll try to we'll throw a uh, yeah. We'll put the picture up. We'll put the picture it's, up and the video too. It looks really bad. It's a, it's a bad black eye. It looks like a baseball to the face, but yeah. uh, it was a hard iPhone. Um, not good. The video of it was also not like pleasant to watch. It's no, just like an iPhone like straight to the face. Um, and it, not good. Why would you throw your phone on stage? Um, you know it's. It's just not a, a good move. Yeah. Um, so the singer was performing at Pier 17. Uh, 27-year-old Nicholas Malvagna intentionally, uh, yeah, intentionally, in quotations, threw a cell phone at her. Um, he was taken into custody at the scene. He was later charged with assault. So, yeah, don't throw your cell phone at people when they're on stage. Like, if you're at a concert and it's somebody that you don't like, or so, just don't go. Like, you don't have to assault people if you're like, I, I don't like you this it, song. I bet you it was like a like a take a picture or call my mom, like one of those. Like, you know what I mean? People. Yeah, are, I don't know. There's nothing. There isn't really any extent to uh, any sort of motive behind why he threw the cell phone at her, but I don't I don't know. Well, moving on to something we kind of do know the motive of, 
Pink yes. performed in uh what was what was that Hyde Park over the weekend? Uh yeah, in uh, Lon- London. London. Um and she got a couple of different things uh brought, gifts. brought to her uh from the stage. Somebody threw um their mother's ashes up on the stage. First of all, this went uh, viral a couple days ago. Um it seems like the major media is now picking it up and we are going to give it to you. And um yeah, somebody threw their mother's ashes up at Pink on the stage, and she goes, this is your mom, uh, in the middle of the song, and she's like, I don't know how I feel about that, yeah. and then puts it down slowly on the and stage. And kind of does like one of these, like... Oh, yes, Michael, please please bring your hand Let me up. get the crumbs off. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace to whoever's mother that is. We don't. We mean no disrespect. I tried to find some kind of follow-up with, like, this was me, I did this, yeah. or, like, but it seems that nobody has taken responsibility. <laughs> um, uh, someone's mom out there was real rad, and I think Pink kind of handled that one pretty well. She did not know how to feel about it, um, and uh, it was it was a bit odd. But I don't um, really, yeah, I don't really know how I would feel about that. But I mean, hey, maybe it was her mother's dying wish to be at the Pink concert. At the Pink concert, mothers who knows? And, mothers and daughters uh, I, growing I, through the music of Pink. Only I will say though, uh, that was only a piece of her mother, so I'm not sure where the remaining bit of ashes of her mother are. But we hope that. Her remains were rejoined, and she is now at a as a whole in her resting place. So uh, yes. Uh, and condolences to uh, condolences, and to then that was. after somebody uh, threw their mother's ashes up on stage <laughs> at Pink, um, somebody handed Pink a large wheel of, of brie cheese. Yeah. And she like is like, oh, you have a gift for me? And she's like, looks like she's going to take it. She takes it out of the crowd. And then when she's lifting it up, she, I think she realizes what it is and then holds it up to the crowd and like, why did you just hand me uh, Brie Cheese? We're going to play all these videos down here um, for yeah. you. So if you are uh, listening and want to watch, you can go on YouTube real fast and uh, watch the videos that we are commenting on. But um, I thought this was a... Uh, crazy moment. It was both of these the giant wheel of who? How did you get in to the, the that's venue what, first, with a wheel of brie cheese? That's what I'm saying. I don't understand. Even still, or right? Like if you were they're camping. Oh no! Yeah. It's, no, this was it's um, at Hyde Park. This was Hyde Park. It's How Hyde did you Park. get into the venue with brie cheese? I don't understand. I don't understand brie cheese A and B. Even ashes. Listen, not that I'm well versed in what looking at human ashes looks like. But, like, that could be mistaken as being a bag of drugs. Like, for all a security guard knows, you Listen, know what I mean? security guards letting drugs go is, is like, come on, man. I know, we well, you know, well, what, a bag of mysterious white powder, you know, unless they were... They were ver- it was black. Wait, it was it? They were, I like, gray. It was, like, gray. Yeah, but you never know. I don't know. Who knows? Either way, I hope Pink enjoyed that giant wheel of brie cheese. It's my. It's one of my favorite types of cheeses. I wouldn't have eaten the cheese if I were her. It's strange cheese. It's strange cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's my cheese stance. Cheese Louise. All right. <laughs> that's my stance on the cheese. Uh, I hope that woman uh, rests in peace. Yes, and uh, the cheese. In pink heaven. Um, yeah. Following other uh, festival news this week, Michael, what else do you have? Yeah, so Cheryl Crow uh, um, was rolling around Bonnaroo on rollerblades with an accordion. Uh, We'll play like a little clip here. We can't obviously do sound. But um, clearly nobody knew that that was Cheryl Crow, which makes this video so incredibly great because they just think like. She's on rollerblades, right? She's on rollerblades. Of course. Come on, man. I thought this was roller skates. Uh, a, a true '90s, yeah. a, a true '90s girl. Um, but uh, this, she's singing "I Want to Soak Up the Sun," right? I yes, think she's singing "I Want to Soak Up the Sun." All and I like, want to do, uh, or, or yeah, all I want to do. Mm. Uh, and she's uh, like trying to find the notes on the accordion while <laughs> she's rollerblading. It's, it's this. Yes, it's she's so it's so funny because it looks like she's like okay at the accordion, but like yeah. not great. And yeah, she's yeah. like also okay at rollerblading, but not great. Yeah, and. Um, <laughs> She's great at singing, though. Everybody's like looking at her, like, "Why is um, a film crew recording this woman?" And they're not realizing it's Cheryl Crow. Um, Great, funny viral moment. Did you see what this was for? I did not. Well, I knew it was at Bonnaroo. Yeah, it was it for like anything. Like, why was there a camera crew doing this anyway? With her, Uh, it doesn't say. It just said that she was just rolling around. She was excited for Bonnaroo. Well, you know, everybody, if you know uh, Cheryl Crow personally, let us know why she did this. Yeah, drop Cheryl. We know you. We know that you're watching. We know you're listening. Tell Uh, us what's up with the accordion and how long have you been playing? Yeah. Slash how long you've been rollerblading? 
Yeah, Kuros, uh, she uh, grabbed an accordion and zipped around the festival singing her own yeah her own hits. Yeah, based on footage below, it was quite the scene. Yeah, so I don't know. It's uh, It was a treat for everyone. It was a real treat. Uh, God God bless Cheryl Crow. We love uh, you, Cheryl Crow. Also, I want to shout out real fast, Diarrhea Planet, uh, one of my favorite bands on this planet, has uh, reunited and played Bonnaroo uh, as well as... Um, the the Ryman Theater in uh in good old Nashville, the oh, yeah. Grand Old Opry, is yeah, yeah. So I just want to uh, shout Our, out one of my favorite bands, Diarrhea Planet, for uh, reuniting. Yeah, do they look? Does it look like they're gonna try to maybe like? I don't know if they're going an to do anything, but uh, I think it might have been just a a fun thing for, for the like uh, for the fans uh, down in Nashville. Interesting. Um, I have one other small bit of music news, music news of the future, if you want to call it that. So Sony Music has created a new position, executive vice president of AI, and they hired former BPI CEO Jeff Taylor. Um, the new role will involve Sony, quote, coordinating its business efforts surrounding artificial intelligence and coordinating across the global digital business and business Digital business and business and legal affairs division, whatever, what, that. whatever that word jumble means. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank, yeah. So they're basically representing like an AI person, like a person to like oversee their AI business. Is that is that correct? Yeah, that's what I'm getting. So there is actually like, like an A AI guy. Yeah. So. This um, is an excerpt from the memo. Artificial intelligence has a significant has great significance for the future of the music industry and as a result, more focused attention on it is required. Accordingly, we are delighted to share that Jeff Taylor, blah, 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 reporting to me and working closely, blah, 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 blah. In these roles, Jeff has worked with our company for several years and I'm delighted his joining and yeah, whatever it goes on. But yeah, it's uh it's I, just like how many artists like do like record companies already not like uh, you know, promote their album yeah. or like buy a billboard or like, do you, do you know what I'm saying? It's, I, this feels to me, um, it does feel like a future move, which is like, that's where it's going. But also it feels like a giant waste of money because whatever's going to happen always comes out of the underground. Everybody knows that. Everybody yep. that knows music knows that anything that is good just comes out of the surface, yep. out of nowhere. It yeah. always happens. The uh, I will say just to follow up to this. So the Recording Academy announced Grammy submission rules around it, and they said, "quote Only human creators are eligible to be submitted for consideration." That said, they did offer a caveat: music that features elements of AI could be eligible if it means certain if it meets certain requirements. But Hollywood Reporter interviewed Harvey Mason Jr. and he said, "We will not quote We will not be awarding a Grammy to AI. If you're awarding a Grammy to AI, I would be uncomfortable or even curious to know who we're giving the Grammy to. So for now, we're going to give the Grammy to the human side of creativity. So here, here, I mean, right on, I'm happy that he made that pretty clear sort of like, hey, listen, guys, you know, like AI is cool and all, but. Rage Against the Machine, dude. For real. Yeah, Rage Against the Machine. So, so we'll see what happens. From Raging Against the Machine to Taylor Swift, uh, we have been covering all the uh, Eras Tours news and um, a couple months back, there's a video on our page in our music news. You can check it out where we uh, well, a lot of people were speculating, including us, if um, the re-release of Speak Now, Taylor's version uh, was going to cause some iry and backlash towards uh, some of the people who are like not mentioned on the album. But there are songs written about on the record, uh, Taylor Lautner being one and John Mayer. Taylor Lautner was interviewed at the time uh, a couple months ago, and that's in our report back there. But um, now Taylor Swift, the other night in where was she? Minneapolis. Mm. Um, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I, get, I Min said it Minnesota. Bad. There you go. Minnesota. I said it terrible. Uh, like two times, so I apologize to anybody who lives there. Um, but she was there, and she said before playing the song "Dear John," which is about John Mayer. I think everybody knows that by now. She hasn't performed the song since 2012, which was is big news in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But um, before she played the song, um, she uh, said this statement: "I'm 33 years old, and I don't care about anything that happened to me when I was 19. I'm not putting this album out so you can go." Uh, I'm not putting this album out that so that you can go and uh, – oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not putting this album out so that you can go and should feel the need to defend me on the internet against something someone said to me 14 billion years ago. Yep. So, um, you're here. Sorry I butchered that, but that was a, a bit of a word sandwich there, um, speaking freely to a concert crowd. 
But uh, she basically said that she does not care about the stuff that happened to her when she was 19 and to not cyberbully John Mayer in so many words. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was pretty uh, big of her. And, like, she kind of addressed some of the things that were um, kind of in the air before this album came out. And I yeah. thought um, it was interesting that she kind of was able to take back the song and also say that, like, that is over and really not about that anymore. And she's not there mentally. Yeah. And I think it's I mean, I think it also speaks to this idea, which is kind of the sad idea. But, like, it's the world we live in, man, where it's like. The internet is this crazy pulsating super organism that it's like if 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 you know if that song comes back around and like TikToks and it starts coming back you know what I mean like there is that sort of wiggle room for people to be like oh yeah oh yeah that John Mayer you know so because you like you never know so I I, I uh, hats off to her for kind of like just nipping that in the bud right from the rip and being like listen yeah before like it goes any further yeah. um, and she also caveated it with this statement beforehand like it wasn't just all me and she said I get to stand on stage every single night and tour and watch some of the most beautiful things happen um, I see so many beautiful interactions happen and I hear so many stories about friends that were made at these shows I watch it happen and it's the most unbelievable thing to watch so she said like saying that yeah. um, bring that into your interview internet presence your internet life and sure. um with the release of this album let's kind of have like the swifties rebrand into like a maybe a, a bit of like a uh a, a force a more of a force for you know good in this uh in this time yeah and really think about it i mean she's she's you know she's one year well she's the same age as i am she was born in 89 you know and it's like anything else it's it, you know every sort of big fan base grows with an artist and her fan base is aging as well and i think that for her to kind of because the swifties are like their own thing yeah you know to like set that mood and that tone and be like Hey, we're all starting to be grown-ups now. Like, let's all start acting like grown-ups now and just kind of like put stuff to rest and move forward and like really enjoy these moments together. So I really like that. Yeah. Uh so, togetherness. Yeah. Um and also John Mayer has been uh wrung through the mud for his dirtbag past. Uh I feel like enough. Uh, maybe. I don't yeah. know. How do you guys feel? I don't know. I think so. I mean, John Mayer's living his best life anyway. He's hanging out with the Grateful Dead. He's yeah, just like he's doing, just his doing, thing. doing his thing. Playing his silver sky. Um, so let's talk about some other concert news that happened over the weekend. Um, the Glastonbury set that yes. uh halfway happened. Uh we're gonna talk about Lana Del Rey. Uh she got on stage about what was reported to be only about a half hour late um, from all the stuff I kind of was trying to find and read and collect about this. Um, so 30 minutes late, she arrives to the stage. Um, I believe the first song was Bartender or one of the first songs, and she was still getting her hair uh, finished while uh, starting the set. Uh, everybody said that it kind of went as normal. She did say um, if they cut my fucking uh, – I'm so fucking late, they may cut my set – um, I'm sorry, my hair takes so long. If they cut the power, let's just keep going to the crowd. So, like, saying to the crowd, like, let's just keep singing until, yeah, we're done. Yeah. Um, she was cut off promptly at the curfew, which I believe was midnight. And from that moment, the video monitors went off, the microphone went off, and she, uh, began to or like finish the song uh video games that was happening or the crowd started to sing video games back to her um then she was barefoot and walked down to the front of the stage and kind of said i'm sorry i'm sorry to all of her fans that were down there in the front row yeah. and began to sing um the chorus of summertime sadness with them and the whole crowd began to sing along um and that was just from her like right on the front gate so and then they like kind of were like ushering her off the stage and it seemed like a very chaotic very kind of crazy moment um Lana Del Rey seemed very composed and um just kind of very present with her fans in that in that yeah, moment um yeah. and trying not to let uh, all the crazy um, security and uh, festival workers around her, um, you know, that were really cut her shit set short. Um, what do we kind of think about this kind of? This is kind of like a wild, controversial moment um, in concerts. We've had some uh, crazy yeah. things happen this year. Uh, Coachella um, sets not really happening, or every set at like Coachella this year ran late. Um, so, yeah. what do you think? I mean, I understand that there's like ultimately, you know. It is a festival and it's a business and there's noise ordinances and there's all that type of stuff. But at the same time, it's it's the same thing. 
It's a music festival, people. Like, what are we doing right now? We're, like, stifling people's performance and creativity, and we're, like, doing all that. And I think that that's really unfair, man. I really do. I think it's like, no, if you go late, you pay the fine. Because, like, let's be real, okay? For the artist, you pay the for fine. The, you're right, right. You just, for the artist. You let them make the, you let them have their performance, and then you pay whatever fine you have to pay. Let's not act like the Glastonbury Festival body or whoever or puts that on make, is make not. make her pay it. Or make her pay. Or yeah, right. In like the have a moment. Right, have a moment. Or yeah, even if it's in real time, have a moment where you have somebody go out to her real quick and be like, "Listen, we're gonna go over. If you, you know, it's gonna be such and such an amount. If we do go over, is that fine with you? Is it not fine? Whatever." And then the artist, but put the control in the hands of the artist. Don't just be like all of a sudden be like, "Hey, you know, you know, cut it." Because it's like, let's be real. Well, let's let's talk about the let's talk about the big overarching theme of kind of Lana Del Rey's career is that the major media. This feels like a setup for the major media to once again kind of um, dog on her. Yeah. Yes, for like no, absolutely no the, reason. She was already she was slammed on the View. Like Whoopi Goldberg was like she was disrespectful and this and that. And you're like, and guys. she it's well, let's talk about like what would be disrespectful. Like half hour to me is is leeway time. That that's that's like a leeway time for setup. Like anywhere, yeah. a half hour is forgivable. Anything over a half hour, it's pushing it for me. That's a little disrespectful. Sure, yeah. Like an hour late is disrespectful, right? I think um, so. Yeah. She wasn't intoxicated. She um, performed her set very well. She yeah. was with the fans. Like gave like a normal Lana Del Rey set. So this is what I'm saying. Like the behavior wasn't like outlandish, and she wasn't like she wasn't like Axl Roseing all over the place. Thank you. She didn't like you know f this, f that. Yeah, everything f you. Sucks. I hate all you people. Yeah, like uh, you know. So it wasn't um like a like a teardown moment, which is why I think the teardown of the continual what I feel like teardown of Lana Del Rey in the uh, major media. Is is something I don't really understand. In this moment, just yeah. feels like really primed to uh, set up another round and a run of that fun. It's weird because it, it does. It's like there. It's like there. She's the. She's like the music artist that like everybody like loves to hate. As far as like the which is the what media kept goes. What, it kept me and you away for how long? The, the literally I can say like the major media on. Lana Del Rey definitely yeah. kept me away from listening to her records for like ten years. Sure, which is like blows my mind because now we're going to review one of them today yeah. um one that came out in 2014 yep it is a record i really really love and um so this is uh this is uh kind of more of that uh it's going to happen i think uh unfair also let's get back to the conversation of concerts um are all encores not spontaneous? You can't have like a, a, a in the moment encore. Like, oh, they want some more. Like that can never happen again at like a festival or a concert or anything like that. It's all has to be so rigid into like the T and the point. Um, it takes the essence and moment out of like concert experiences. If you're like, oh, this is gonna end yeah. at midnight, so this is the you you can like go. You know, there seems to be no. I mean, I'll say to to. Not to not to counter that, but in order, in other words, so if if Lana Del Rey had a set in the middle of the day, then yeah, like you're kind of like stuck on like, hey, we kind of have to stick to the schedule here because like, time is money, like we got to keep things rolling here. But she was the last artist to perform that night, so it's like, hey man, fuck, it, let her go, like who cares, like let her do her thing, like that's the thing. And also, if you look at the crowd, like the whole crowd singing along to Lana Del Rey, this is a festival. And the entire crowd is singing along to Lana Del Rey. They won. So don't bite the hand that feeds you Glastonbury Festival, okay? Because a lot of those people were there and spent that money to support your festival to see Lana Del Rey. So, like, to just I shut her up like that or shut her down like that is like, yo, what are you people doing, man? Or, you know, start the headliner a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. so that's the other option. Or, you know, a couple less bands on the on the uh, the yeah. bill or artists performing. Um so that was like a major thing. I watched it. It was a very strange scene to watch. It seems yeah. like it, it's very weird, and I think she handled herself incredibly well. Because yeah, I yeah. I wouldn't have handled myself that well. Um, yeah. what do you guys think about this? I'm curious to know. Um, it, it seemed like um a big deal, and uh, Lana Del Rey fans are uh, hard and strong. So, what are your opinions, guys? Yeah, let uh, us know in the comments. So, um, I. I think I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm going good. with music news. Um, let's take a quick break. This was your music news. This was your music news. We'll take a, a quick break, and then we'll come back with our two album reviews. Don't go anywhere. You're going to want to listen to this stuff. We'll be right back.
All right, everybody, welcome back to Get in the Garage. We're the music podcast. For music lovers, it's time for our new album review of the week. Michael, yes. it's time to feed the beast. It's time to feed the beast. It is indeed. Uh, this week's new album release review that we'll be doing is the latest from Kim Petrus. It is her debut studio album. Kim Petrus, famous more recently for her duet with Sam Smith on the track Unholy. This is her first go at a debut album, a solo record. It is called Feed the Beast. It is, it's mostly produced by Dr. Luke. There's a whole bunch of other producers on there, but Dr. Luke's kind of like the main person that's behind the record. The infamous. Um, the infamous, yes. The famous. Um, yeah, right. Not the not famous Dr. Luke, as he liked to try to say. Uh, the album is 15 songs long. It's a cool 40 minutes and 52 seconds long. It kind of like comes and goes quick as a fever dream, though. I don't really feel like it dragged too, too much. But what did you think about this, Luke? Because I think it's an interesting record. This record was very interesting to me. Um, starting off, I'm going to say it was not my like favorite thing I've listened to. Mm -hmm. Had some interesting points on it. Um I thought it was a little long, not in like the um, span, like of the track, like the length mm. of the album, but the actual, there's uh, the 15 tracks themselves. Um, I thought maybe it was a little bit too much in there. Um, it kind of goes for a Euro pop uh, vibe that's like very reminiscent of the early 2000s, late 90s, a lot of like pulsating things on there. And then if it's not doing that, it feels like it's big throwback um, 70s funk, um, mm. like R&B that's very popular right now, uh, a la like uh, Lizzo yeah. and uh, Silk Sonic, Silk Sonic, Calvin Harris. So um, songs like that, are, I'm going to shout out, are Alone, uh, Nicki Minaj, and Coconuts, um, yeah. the other big single that was released um a couple weeks before. So um, Alone and Coconuts have been with us for a little bit as like pre-album singles. But um, on here as a whole, I felt like they were a little bit disjointed with the Euro dance pop centric thing that was really going on with the rest of the album tracks, uh, a la Feed the Beast um, and King of Hearts um, and, you know, hit it, things like Hit It From The Back. So uh, yeah. what... Is that what? What do you think, man? Yeah, I thought I kind of felt like there were like sort of some mismatches on this record in the same way, like because I'm a person like I I do love like that Euro pop dance kind of techno y influence kind of like vibe. Like I absolutely love that. So like uh oh, I thought was great. Like I really enjoyed that. Um, Claws was another one that kind of had like that Euro sort of thing. Um, Castle in the Sky, which is like that super super fast. Uh, track that's on the record too that's like kind of this crazy like doo -doo -doo, you know super fast um it's like this ecstasy fueled like fever dream kind of thing that that the vibe that i had about it um yeah it just sort of feels like and i don't know like so i don't know what the writing process is was for this record but it's it's uh, interesting because there's a lot of cohesion in all of the euro stuff but all of the american sounding stuff and by american sounding stuff i mean like songs that sound like they would be more marketable to an american audience as opposed to like a european audience those tracks fell flat for me oh see i'm kind of i'm torn cuz i liked i liked both approaches yeah. i just didn't think they mixed that well oh yeah yeah um so that that's kind of where I'm at on it. I yeah. liked both takes on it, but um, they just didn't mix that well. The writing process, a little bit of this, um, came out of especially the title track of the record, "Feed the Beast," um, was because she had an album that was ready to go, but was leaked to the public. Um, I think last year, or the year before, mm. and it began um a writing process where the uh kind of the A and R person or the record person, record label person said. You just have to keep feeding the beast and writing more songs and, you know, just keep going. And um, that spurred the writing process for the new album where she scrapped yeah. most of the stuff on the album that got leaked. Um, some of the songs um, from that scrapped album ended up on here. I think, like, Uh-Oh is one of those tracks. A couple more um, are on here. But it was, uh, it was a bit interesting when, you know, it was like, oh, okay. So yeah. it was like a restart of the album. Um I liked the Europop stuff, so let's like kind of get into like the real content of it anyway. It's um a lot of the stuff I thought could have taken a bit more like of a risk. 
Mm. Um, whether that was vo- like lyrically being a personal, more of a personal statement coming yeah, out right, of, yeah. um, or like the tracks kind of having like more of an experimental feel and a, um, or more of like a just a different approach because these kind of are very standard Euro pop kind of songs, yeah. and then the a more uh, coconuts um, and the uh, Nicki Minaj uh, track alone. Or you know that kind of feel. So yeah, that whole it, it. yeah, I I I I do feel real conflicted about it too because it's like the question is is like do you, you know because I mean all right we pick nits right that's kind of what we do we pick the stuff apart we review it we kind of think about the bigger picture and what does it all mean and all that kind of stuff. I just like I do wish that there was more introspective because lyrics. or because this is or a more outlandish like approaches to the way the songs were like um even let's take um coconuts and compare it with the bonus track unholy mm. um unholy is the intro to Kim Petrus for m- most of America obviously yeah. me and Mike um is that's our intro to Kim Petrus Kim Petrus is kind of like the underground indie um artist pop artist that yeah. um you know was kind of doing the thing for a long time this album feels more safe where unholy feels like dangerous and um like very mm. sexy and hedonistic and over the top and you have like the choir singers going and it has yeah. a lot of elements to that thing a lot of these songs um on this album feed the beast are kind of like one uh kind of approach like feed the beast is very like the title track itself is very feed the beast feed the beast like that kind of yeah. thing it's a good fun danceable track but it doesn't have more of that um like like unholy had all this underpinning of um sexuality in the church and a lot of like of things to say in that yeah, nature yeah. and um a lot of the stuff on this album kind of just lies where it's having fun or just um having what the mood it is in the lyric or the chorus and never really branching out more from there. So that's that's the the picking nits of it. It just doesn't really get very deep. Um even yeah. like a Euro pop album we reviewed on this al- uh podcast a couple oh, weeks yes, ago. Oh yes, yes. The Ellie Goulding album which I really liked that record. It was just yeah. a straight like Euro pop fun record, but um it had more of like that more of a like personal thing from Ellie Goulding and like you could kind of tell who she more was as a artist. Yeah. Um and it had like a little bit more experimental and the album I believe is much shorter. Um so I don't yeah. know that album played better for me. I just was wishing this album took more risks. Um yeah, I think so too. I just, for me, it was like the American feel stuff. I didn't like, like, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I got some of those Euro pop vibes, and I just wanted more of it. I think. Well, is what, what were the Euro pop vibes on here that were so, really like hitting it for you? So, like King of Hearts, I love that. I love that like techno feels. I love the song Revelations. That's a great like foot stomper. It has like this oscillating like like uh, like bassline throughout. Uh, I thought she had a great vocal performance on that song, as well as like at the end of it, there's like this cool sort of like Van Halen-ish kind of like guitar thing that yes. happens that I was like, oh shit, because to me that feels like this is kind of like a shout out to like Billy Jean, you know what I mean? Like it kind of gave me those sort of vibes, which yes. was cool, I like, and I liked that. that I was, really, really liked that. And that was the stuff I was more like when that happened on the, oh, you're like, oh, your ears perk up, and you're like, oh, that was really, really cool. Right. Um. I King of Hearts. Uh, you mentioned that song. That yeah. was like the more Euro. That was the my favorite, like of the like, the Eurocentric kind of stuff on here. Um, I thought that song also mirrored um, uh, Stacy Q's uh, classic uh, uh, dance eighties dance pop song, Two of Hearts. Um, you know, I need you, I need you. Yeah. And um, I thought the King of Hearts. It was a kind of like a play on that in mm. a different way, and I really liked that song. That was uh, one of my favorites on the whole record. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I mean, I I liked Claws too. I thought Claws was a cool one, and that uh, you know, I mean, we dogged a little bit lyrically, but Claws was was a cool song as far as lyrics goes because it's like she's like obsessed with somebody. They have their claws sunk into her and stuff like that, and that's where I'm like. Oh, yeah, give me, like, a love interest. Give me, like, tell me about yourself, you know? Like, where I think maybe that... Because, like, Coconuts and, like, Hit It From The Back are, like, two of those songs for me. Like, they kind of made me chuckle because I'm like, oh, these are... I thought Hit It From The Back was way better than Coconuts. I also did think that as well. But my thing is, like, I'm listening to Coconuts and I'm like, I don't... And I don't know why I didn't get it and maybe... I don't know. I don't know. But I didn't... I didn't get that nod and wink 
Yes. Like it, she's in on the joke for the song Coconuts. I was like, oh, is she being serious right now? It didn't, <laughs> you know what like, I mean? Like I didn't. For me, I like Coconuts also was like a very, like it was very puppy in a truck for me. Like when I listened yeah, yeah, to yeah. it, if you listen to our podcast, you know what I'm talking about. The Jenny Lewis album from a couple weeks ago. Check it out. Um, it was very like puppy in a truck for me because it was that song. And I couldn't tell if I liked it because Coconuts was being funny or if I hated it because Coconuts was being funny. Yeah, it towed right, that like right. line for me. I'm going to say that I more liked it than I didn't like it because I was singing it all day and it was stuck in my head. And it, it does make me giggle now. It I was very like, hmm, like the first time I heard it. But yeah. um, on repeated listens, it really did kind of win me over, though I do not think it fits with the flow of the album at all in any respects. Yeah, I'll say that like even though there was a mismatch as far as uh, – I mean maybe being saying that oh. it was a mismatch, but – can we talk before we go? Really, yeah. the other big alone, uh, the oh yes, with Nicki Minaj, yes, which which samples the uh, yeah Alice uh, DJ Alice uh, DJ Bed Off Alone, yeah. um, a classic skating song for me back in the day, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and that one used why like I think too like we said hit for American art uh, American markets right now the big popular thing if you guys are kind of paying attention is interpolation in songs mm. and classic um you know, just reworkings of pop songs that were hits. Um, I'm going to shout out Lotto's Big, Big Energy from last year. Mm. Uh, that song was a throwback of not only the Tom Tom Club's Genius of Love, but the song that was sampled in that, which was Mariah Carey's Fantasy. And then they had the Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey Fantasy remix of the song. Yep. Um, and this, to me, hits all of those vibes. It sounds like that. It hits with like the same way. I And again, I like it as a standalone single. Yeah. Um, and I really like um, Nicki Minaj. I think she brings out the best in Kim Petras. Um, and again, even in Bait, uh, the other song on here with a feature with Banks, with Banks. I thought Banks also brought out like another side of Kim Petras that yeah. was like a little bit like more Rebel Rousey that I really liked in um, her songs. Yeah. Even the song Uh-Oh, which was I, another one that I like, too, that has the Euro feel. That had, like, the braggadocious sort of lyrics and stuff. I also love the uh, line in there where she says, I won't I won't let any drugs go to waste. Yeah, right. <laughs> a, <laughs> true, a, great, a true partier. A true partier, yes. Uh, but, like, even that, like, there was cool instrumentation. Like, I got to say that, like, I think instrumentally on this record, there was a lot of cool stuff that happened. Like I had said from that oscillating bass thing in Revelations, Likewise, in the song, uh-oh, there was a cool instrumental break that has, like, this weird, like, keyboard flute sort of sound that gives you the melody, and then the, it's, the melody's delivered again later on in the song as, like, as a synth. Um, you know, so there there are some high points of this. I think I really what I really found was, like, I just didn't like, like, the trappy stuff. Like, oh, that sort okay. of, like, slower, trappier stuff. Like, I just didn't, because I just, I don't know, I just wanted that. I think it was because I got a taste of that Europop thing, and I was like, "Give it, give, give me all Europop!" I because I love Europop so yeah, much. Like, just give me the whole thing, you know. I felt like that too. But I understand though, ultimately, because it's like it's a full album. But that's why I kind of felt like it, it, it didn't have like a, I didn't, I didn't think it flowed very well. It was kind of like a little bit all over the place. You know what I mean? I'll uh, for I'll, me, for I'll, me, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Um. Just finishing out here, uh, songs I want to talk about, Sex Talk. I feel like Sex Talk was a really – like I, when I got that song and started playing, I thought this was going to be like a like an interesting, modern song about like the way we talk about sex. Yeah. It, it was not that. It was um, kind of a, a rewrite of that Lil Wayne song where he says, uh, I'm Mr. Flintstone, I can make your bedrock from like a bajillion five years ago. Yeah, which yeah. Which I didn't really love. Um. But, like, that beat, I loved the way that beat clicked in, and Dude. it was, like, really, like, really great, and I just, and that was where it was. I just wanted her to go deeper with, like, and even if it was, like, sex talk was just on the surface of talking dirty, get more in with it. Like, get weirder, yeah. get more creative in, like, the wordplay on it. Like, that's where I'm at with it, um, because that was a song I really loved on this record. Even, like, I, I still, like, I'll, I think I might go back and listen to that beat because it was just so... Well, that's... What's funny is, on my, in my notes, I wrote, I, I wrote, like, didn't really like the song, but the beat was really cool. Like, it, but it just didn't do it for me. So... So you get a bit of that on this record, a you know? bit of a bit of mismatches in a couple different ways. Yeah, um, but it's the fir it's her first go, you know. It is. So like, 
let her settle in and kind of get her get her music songwriting exercise in and i think that we'll we'll see some fun pop music from kim petrus in the future and uh for me personally i feel like i'm here for the uh like a kim petrus like a uh, big pop career yeah i really liked the i liked the i liked it as a uh, the styling of it mm. i just wish it like hit a little bit I wish it just hit harder and and got weirder, harder and yeah. weirder. Here, here. Um, and I don't mean that to sound as weird as it did, but uh, <laughs> you know, here we are. So let's get on ratings Sex talk. here. Let's get to ratings. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna be harsh. Okay, hit it. Hit it with the harsh. I'm gonna Go be harsh. harsh with this. I think this is like for me. This is a five point five. Oh, album for harsh. Me. It's yeah. right down the middle. Um, it's not a. It's it's just not offensive enough, and it's not unoffensive enough. It's just it rides in that real middley period. Mm. Um, and it just doesn't. It just didn't move where I wanted it to. But again, like you heard us talk before we got to this point, there were a lot of things I did and didn't like about this. Yeah. And um, coconuts will be stuck in my head for the rest of the year. Thank you, Kim Petrus, <laughs> and I will be singing it <laughs> to everybody that does not want to hear it all summer long. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh... All right, I'm gonna. I'll bump it up. I'll give it an extra point five. I'll give it a six. Um, but pretty much everything that you said, like I, I feel the same way. Like there's some mismatches, but the stuff that I really did like on this album, I really, really, really did like on this album. Like that Eurodance stuff, man. I'm here for it. I love it. You wanted to go hard, like more in that direction. I wanted that. I wanted like hard, I, hard Euro pop. I was cool with it going either way. Like I, if it was all like that super Americanized as like alone, I, I wanted it to either go all the way that and hit hard like right, that or yeah. go all the way into the Euro pop. And I would have been fine with either thing. I just think it would have been a more cohesive listen. So uh, yeah. that was our review of Feed the Beast by Kim Petrus. Do you like this album? Do you love this album? Do you hate this album? Let us no, did we get it all wrong? I can take some criticism. I I, I'll, <laughs> I can't. I'll, I'm a sensitive. Boy. I'll read it. I'll comment back. Yeah. I, you see, every week I comment to all you great people. Yeah. Um, so let's move on. We have a another review, Michael. Yeah, so the next review is as by request. If you're just joining us right now into this review, we had stated earlier that this was one of the albums that we had requested the most. Um, so a couple weeks back, I think at this point when Lana Del Rey had released, did you know there's a tunnel under ocean Boulevard? We had reviewed that record. Then we had a bunch of, uh, requests to review Norman effing Rockwell. So we reviewed that. And then the next one on the list is the one that we're going to be doing today. It is her third studio album. It is 14 songs, one hour and five minutes long. Granted, it is the deluxe version that we're talking about. So there's 13 bonus tracks tagged onto this, but nonetheless, it is her third album, Ultra Violence. It's mainly produced by Dana Arbach of the Black Keys. Uh, Greg Kirsten's in there. There's a couple other producers in there. But this is really sort of like uh, the brainchild of Lana Del Rey and Dan Arbach, who I don't think ever really planned on working together for this album. Lana Del Rey had released her second record, wasn't even really paying any mind to the idea of releasing a third album. And then somehow her and Dan Arbach had crossed paths. They were like, hey, we should just get into the studio and try to, like, you know, mess around and see what comes out. And they ended up coming out with an entire album, an hour long, an hour and five minute long record. So um, what did you think of this? Because now, because I just want to, like, to set the tone, right? So we are not really Lana. I mean, now we're Lana Del Rey fans. But going into Did You Know There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard, we weren't really big Lana Del Rey fans. So it's interesting that, like, we started with the latest thing. Where at this point, she has got her diehard fans who she's had, st like, really from around this period, you know, second, third album, and then everything that happened after that. Like, um, so it's interesting starting with the new and kind of going back every now and again. And it's been an interesting uh, uh, experiment. It has. Musical experiment. And I think that's why I think a lot of uh, people have been enjoying watching these reviews uh, to that. And, um, going all the way back to we don't listen to like I won't listen to the Lana Del Rey album but like I have not reviewed yet now because like I haven't really been jumping around and listening to the back sure. catalog until we are ready to do a review because I really want those fresh ears on it so yeah, I can like same here uh, give you guys like an honest opinion of what I thought this album was for me in the context of right now um, and yeah. fresh so um, these are uh first listens and uh this is the review of ultra violence from get in the garage um yep. i thought this album played like lana del rey's um 
rock album or sure. more like classic rock. It had a lot of the uh, wah-wah guitar in yeah, it yeah. and like the Laurel Canyon uh, Fleetwood Mac vibes going on. Sure. Um, it definitely was like the start of this. There's um, a little bit of allusion to the classic rock artists that are going to get referenced in the later albums we have listened to, like uh, on uh, Norman Rockwell. Uh, I really did like this album on first listen. It, Having said that, it might be my least favorite one we've listened to so far, but yeah. it's still a very strong release, and I think all the seeds for what I really do like in the later albums all came from in here, and you can definitely tell. Yeah, this is clearly, like, now that we, because like I said, like, we started with, with, did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard, you know, so we've, we, we're now, our, our introduction to Lana Del Rey is, like, the sort of, like, mature... Tal- very talented like she knows who she is and what she does and she does it very well songwriter so it's it was fun going back to this because you go like oh all right cool like i see i see the like seeds of where like that yeah this other yeah, song yeah. It's, later. it's kind of like and shout out to i don't know if they're listening uh but uh it's kind of like pink floyd where you like go back and you like listen to metal and you listen to echoes and you go like Oh, they're they're ready for dark side. You know, like it's that thing where you like go back. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that thing. It's you know. So I, I think you get a lot of that here. There's a lot of great songs on here. It is it is traditionally a Lana Del Rey record, and that's one thing that seems to have like never really changed with as how she writes albums and stuff, where everything is very much long form. A lot of like ballad, mid tempo things yeah. on here. It seems like the like instrumentation and stylizing of like how the that kind of form is worked in is like yeah. the theme of a lot of this album. Like I said, this one's more like classic rock, where the new album, uh, there's a tunnel is uh, very piano-driven and, like, yeah. all very much piano kind of songs in uh, that feel. So um, a different—not a lot of piano stuff on here, more of, like, a dirges uh, and a lot yeah, of, like, yeah. build-ups. And, and you hear a lot of that Dan Arbach influence in there. Like, there's definitely some some small little moments, like, if we're going to, like, start getting into it, like, like Sad Girl, for example, kind of like if I didn't know that Dan Arbach— had an influence over this record i would put i could put on that song sad girl and be like that sounds a little black keys ish you know like there's a there's a lot of that kind of stuff sort of peppered in all over here but it's not what i like about it is it's just done in such good taste like it's not like dan arbach comes in like you know like guns a blazing with like the crazy fuzzed out guitar and just kind of is like i'm on this record too you know like you can tell like he takes a back seat he's clearly like helping with songwriting and production and all that kind of stuff and he's just kind of like peppering in where he needs to pepper in like um there's well, there's a lot of great stuff let's talk about my favorite song on this What's record your favorite song? which i think is uh like the production on is it stands out to me in a lot of ways west coast on this mm. record um the slow up chorus where it mimics and i love her by the beatles dum 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 i gave her all my love yeah um, so the dum 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 dum, and then it goes into this very dramatic chorus. Uh, the Parliament uh, burning in his hand. Yeah, yeah. Great cigarette uh, reference. Fantastic. Uh, all you smokers out there, you reunite. Um, so, it, like that lyric is like really great, and then it references Edge of Seventeen, mm. where she goes like move, baby, move, and it's just for me like the. And the use of it, like interpolation, and the use of the Beatles in the way, and again, she's talking about the love and like this, and I love her, right? Just that, yeah. The thought of that song and all the references right before you get into the chorus of like the, the burn down, and then the edge of seventeen, everything that means to like you know that song of being a lover and everything. Yeah. So I think she uses it so like she uses interp uh, interpolation and um. Well, how would you say this? Uh, the because like, and I love her is not interpolation, but it kind of is in the well, same way. Well, it's that thing. It's like that. Say, isn't there that saying like the greatest? The great artists don't like mimic; they steal directly. And it's like, but it's but it's literally that. But it's not an obscene way. It's not. You're not like offended by it. You're just like, oh shit, she's doing the Beatles thing. Like that's so cool, you know. And then takes it all, and what's the end of that song? Is the Doctor oh, Dre, yeah, the, the G-Funk chronic G Funk synth over the top? I know, which is so great, so West Coast. 
most. And, and I loved the thing uh, to, to talk to that song. I loved how she kind of a B'd. She went Brooklyn baby first and then went to the West Coast, which I thought was so cool. And Brooklyn baby is like this song that's kind of like dogging on like the Brooklyn hipster. Like, oh, uh, he's playing his guitar while I sing Lou Reed and like I'm hanging out with the beatniks and like all those types of lyrics and stuff, too. Where I'm like, oh, this is so great. Like, because it's. Well, yeah. for me, okay, so I, when I, like, I'm looking up the album and kind of getting into it, uh, so everybody by now knows, but I didn't, because, uh, you know, I hadn't heard it, but Brooklyn Baby is entirely sarcastic and making yeah. fun of the Brooklyn hipster yeah. that was very much, like, um, of is like in its like heyday, I would say when this album was released back in 2014, right? Like oh, the Brooklyn like the hu- the that was like of... coming out of like that was like the big Lumineers, you know what I mean? All oh yeah, everyone's we- everyone's wearing like craft boots with cuff denim jeans and so, drinking craft beer with big beards. So for me, this I'm like Bob Dylan. This is Bob Dylan going. I don't write protest songs. Yeah, I, right, I, right, I, right. You know, and people are like, "What about blow it?" You know, he's like, "I don't do that. Whatever you think I do, I don't do that. I, I it's, it's the opposite." So. Um, it's the reaction to her getting completely dismissed yeah. in the media and not like um, taking out of context and not um, taking her uh, words for her artistry um, in a way that I think was very fair. Um, I think she went back and said, I'm just going to be the provocateur now and kind of write these you know, whatever you think it is, it isn't, and yeah. that whatever that is. And for me, that's Bob Dylan all day, and it's what makes Bob Dylan – a, a great artist that's his yeah. artistry is the mystique and mystery in the you know it yeah. is it true is it false um that whole thing and i like the birth of that on here um though she did give up the buck what you know what it's about usually it's it's pretty fun to uh listen to and it's kind of fun to you know play in that i love the hydroponic weed line yeah the there. hydroponic lean ride is great yeah it's funny because it's like you look at this sort of an album and like Although, you know, because we've hit certain touchstones throughout the discography, and although you can see that there is very clear sort of like growth as far as the songwriter goes and all that stuff, she's always been a great wordsmith, and she's a fantastic, fantastic songwriter. But you're just watching the evolution of an already great songwriter, you know? Uh, One of my song highlights is the song Shades of Cool, which is so great, because it's got that noir film sort of spy movie sort of soundtrack vibe. I think it's the only song that's in 3-4, which is a waltz song. So it's it's in three. So it gives you like this sort of different kind of like feel altogether to the way the song is. And same with like the preceding song, Ultraviolence. There's that great Dan Arbach sort of like wah, 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 like oh. wah, wah guitar, which I really like because <clears throat> as as like if you're a listener to Lana Del Rey. One thing that she's really good at doing is is like there's this like cohesive thing where she kind of like has these threads that she sort of like threads through all of her songs so like even if you're on like if it's like a 14 track song you know if you're on song two you hear something and if you're on song 10 you hear something that like is like oh i've already heard this in this album already so i like the that wah-wah guitar the wah-wah guitar back yeah right that's what i mean and i love that though because i it and added to this idea that there, this is a themed record like clearly there are themes and you know whenever she's talking about the man yeah, the, it's the Wawa, right? Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I yeah. noticed. I was like, whenever she's like kind of like talking or getting like really like into it in like a relationship thing. Yeah, even though um like West Coast, it might be about like a cult leader or whatever. It's still that that love dynamic that uh, guy in there. Yeah, um, there's all that or actually ultra violence rather is about that. Uh, West Coast is about uh, a lover, but um, yeah, Shades of Cool and it has that chorus that chorus in Shades of Cool is so heartbreaking. Mm. It just reaches all those like real tender notes oh in the yeah melody. It's the, he's the unfixable man man that's the whole thing it's the you know and it's like it and it's that kind of emotion that i i go for because the song is mid-tempoed but when she gets you to the chorus it is she she'll build you up and then crumble it all yeah. down and then build him back up in the verse again yep. and then crumble him back down in the chorus um shades of cool and, and even lyrically the my baby's uh blue and then all the blue things and yeah it's he's cool I love it. Um, sad girl, which is sad, yeah, the birth of the sad girl. It's sad. It's like it's been sad girl summer ever since this uh, album came out. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, because right. like that's been the vibe. Like soccer mommy is like the last year that was like the sad girl um, thing for the summer for me, and it really is that vibe. And I like how she kind of like is playing and poking fun of the 
of the imagery that she knows she has. Yeah. And is wor- is work it worked with it. And yeah. when as soon as you call me the sad girl, well now I wrote a song about it and I own it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like it's that sure. that's the artistry for me. Yeah, I mean, it's like if I could just highlight too, as far as like her lyrical ability and like the imagery that she uses. A song that I absolutely adored on this record was a song called "Old Money." Um, I uh, track listing wise, I'm not sure it's where it's second it sits. to last song. Second to last song, thank you. Um, but I mean, "Blue Hydrangea," "Cold Cash Divine," "Cashmere Cologne," and "White Sunshine," "Red Racing Cars," "Sunset and Vine." The kids were young and pretty. Where have you been? Where did you go? Those summer nights seemed so long ago. And so is the girl you used to call the queen of New York City. But if you send for me, you know I'll come. And if you call for me, you know I'll run. It's like, this is Bob Dylan stuff. Like this, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is great, great lyricism and and writing. And it's like, it's just so fantastic, man. It's just so incredible. And I think it's, I mean, obviously everybody, uh, you know, that was like a Dylan head. If you're a Dylan head, you, you know, you know. And if you're not, you know, you're just yeah. like, whatever. All the people are like, well, you just, you don't get it. It's not for you. Um, but it does, this, it's like the, again, I've referenced it, but it does the same thing. And the media, it like, is going to go for the more, like, outlandish, interesting thing and then skip over the completely, like, songwriter of her generation it's not for me it's not a competition the more we go back and listen to all these albums the more you can see her contemporaries are clearly very incredibly influenced her by by her in the moment and then react to it afterwards and she already seems ahead of the game especially by uh production and songwriting it's that thing where it's like if you're not a lana del rey fan she she is your favorite musician's favorite musician i think so but that's what it is man like it's especially more into like it's and it seems like she's billed as a pop artist, but uh, the more we're doing this, the clearer I see that she was never a pop artist and is a, uh, is just that more of like that legacy kind of artist that exists oh, yeah. in um in a mature space. Um, and if we're gonna talk about like the contemporaries of the time stealing and all that, we should talk about one of the more controversial tracks on this record, uh, "Fucked My Way to the Top," which is a a song which when she was interviewed about what is the song about responded with saying this is about another pop star who was putting me down in the media and kind of saying like oh you're going a little bit too far with your with your uh vote like uh your lyrics and the way you put yourself out there and um she responded with that sentiment which i just said um and i think it's it's interesting uh it's a real stab it's real uh it's a real right for the throat um Everybody speculates that this song is about Lord, so that mm. is interesting to hear. Um, and she also claimed in that interview that the person, which was unnamed, um, did uh, kind of jack her style at that too. And you know, I'm not gonna front. You know, it's, it's probably more true than it's not. Yeah. And uh, whether it is Lord or not, um, that's what all the Lana Del Rey fans have said. So if you uh, think otherwise or have some uh, pointing information, please leave it in the comments because I like me some good drama. But that song for me, even though it was a beef song, well written. Yeah, and, well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, I was just like, uh, okay. And um, that song, Old Money, that you just referenced to, the, the fa- her writing about her family connection in, yeah. in her life, in her songs, in, in her albums um, – that I think is a uh, is one of those things that uh, really works for me on here too. Um, did we talk about the title track Ultraviolence? We Might did well. not. We um, did not. I like Ultraviolence. Um, it's more of like a steamy kind of thing. It didn't like blow my mind. It wasn't my favorite favorite thing on this record, but I liked it. Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't like it as much as the uh, preceding song, Cruel World. Um, yeah, which, I, that, the, which is the longest track on the album, too. I believe at six minutes and 39 seconds long. Yeah. Which is kind of like, I don't know if there's a, a long song, like an album before this, so uh, let me know if there is. But, like, it's the start of the uh, A&W, the 11 minutes, uh, like, kind of anthems. That one's, like, seven minutes. I think yeah. this is an 11-minute song on uh, uh, Norman Rockwell. Yep. So 
like it's the start of like the long stretched out like vibey epics which i really really like because oh, she's yeah. just like oh th- now i'm just gonna make this a whole thing because it's a it's a vibe and it's so much better than like five minutes of it is yeah. seven minutes of it. just make it super long well and it's like it's clearly like an introduction to the album you know what i mean it's like the curtains draw back and you are now in lana del rey's world you know what i mean and it, and it has that thing you know because it's because it's you know, it immediately it launches into the world, and there's it's it, there's all this space, and it sounds vast. Like everything just sounds so vast, and it really sets the tone. How about the lyric "You're young, wild, free, dancing circles around me"? I'm like, ooh, that's one of the fucking best lyrics I've heard <laughs> right, in a long right. time. And to, and to come in, out the gate with that, you in know, the, in the melody she sings in it too, like yeah. young and wild. And it's so, and that's another thing too. Her her singing chops on this record are absolutely incredible because she can bring it down to a whisper. She can go loud. She does her her dynamics are incredible. The way that she announces, or sorry, enunciates words is very interesting too. Like she'll very delicately like pronounce like a ch consonant, like touch. Oh, I love. She'll give you that stuff, you know. I love. I believe it's in the song West Coast where she says, um, "He calls for me and not for you," which is like when the way she says it yeah. is very like uh, purposely said in the way she yeah. says it, it, like enunciates the words. Um, yeah. So it's shit like that. Yeah, man, just it's like, just it is good. Uh, the um, another song that I really loved. Since we're going down the rabbit hole, might as well. Um, the other woman was another song oh, that I thought was fantastic. The cover. Did you not know? Oh, I did not know. This song, the other woman, is a Nina Simone. It's I don't believe Nina Simone wrote it, but Nina Simone um popularized the tune. Um, and is a jazz kind of standard at this point. So she purposely was like, that's where this album ends for me, um, is the other woman. And even she's like that, the bonus tracks, all that stuff. She's like, that's fun and great and all that, but it's not, the album is definitely sectioned off at the other woman. And she wanted to like very much make a point of that. Um, are the lyrics the same? It's a, it's a yeah. true cover? Yes, it's like a, a spot-on oh, yeah. cover of it. And yeah. I thought it was incredibly well done. Um, throws out like the the jazz, all that jazz kind of stuff that's thrown out lyrically mm. uh, through the album, even then like Brooklyn Baby, uh, where she references like having the jazz collection. Yeah. Um, and all that's kind of brought out in theme in The Other Woman and especially like what that song is about. Um, it's a classic song. Um I think she uses it in the mo- in a modern sense and tries mm. to like re bring it into like a new fashion. Um, I don't know if like because like if we're gonna get into it a little more, this might be like the one of those things where people kind of like are shouting out like you can't cover that song because like, but um, it's a beautiful use of the song. I yeah. don't I didn't feel that way at all. I was just like, oh, this is a great song that I haven't heard in a while because I hadn't put on that Nina Simone record. Yep. I think it themed the album really well, and you didn't even know it was a cover, so it, it fit perfectly. Yeah, I had no so idea. if you had yeah. no idea it was a cover, the, you were like, great. I, I will say the only thing that was, it was just because with the song Old Money, it like, it's sort of like, you ever see that meme where it's like there's a bus and then the train slams into the butt? Like, yeah. I felt like that as far as the way it played because the other woman kind of comes in like, out of nowhere like you can kind of because she has because that she can get so quiet you know what i mean and then all of a sudden i was like whoa what is this you know but then i obviously listened to the song itself and i was like this is a fantastic tune you know um so so yeah i I, mean i thought it was good good i didn't like um i didn't feel like any of like it was inappropriate or anything like that i i liked it it was a it was a good way to end the album and i thought um kind of gave way to like her what she's like listening to and her her sensibility sure so um but yeah and really man like every other song you know we you know we didn't cover every single song on this what uh but money power glory great pretty when you cry great the bonus tracks black beauty guns and roses and florida kilos cool songs i i I didn't love Guns N' Roses and even Florida Kilos. I wasn't like crazy about it, but I mean, it's it's a fantastic record. Kind of some cool B-side stuff. More yeah, or less. yeah, and that's and it felt like that. Like it played like that, where I was like, oh, these are like cool B-side things. Especially it's not because like I saw in the she's like it ends here. Like that's the album. It, it yeah. you know in the modern era, everything gets like a deluxe re-release and sure. all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. um, but all, Ultra Violence as it is ending with uh the other woman. Let's get to ratings. What do we think? Whew. I don't know. I can't remember what I rated the other ones. <laughs> I can't remember what I rated the other ones either. I think very highly. If I'm going to go like what I gut like feel when I listen yeah. to it in whole, 
I'm going to say it's like an 8.7 for me. Yeah. Like a, maybe like an 8.9, 8.7. I'm going to like roll it in there. Uh, it's very high. I loved a lot of it. Um, if anything, it like it just doesn't have like the – the, like the on uh, there's a tunnel at the wordplay is like f- turned up to 11 um yeah. and like there's other stuff going on where she's like experimenting a little bit more so this is kind of more just um, like more of like a modern like the rocky kind of thing yeah. and for me it's really really strong in that department though uh eight nine just wasn't i don't know if it was like my favorite one so far but um a great listen and a great suggestion for like the next lana del rey album yeah 100 we, uh we're going to review so it was i really enjoyed it yeah i'm gonna i will i will I'll just agree with you. I'm going to go the same thing because it's like at this point, it's like that thing where you're like, oh, man, it's kind of hard to throw a rating on this because it's like I, I loved it so much. I So have... are we at, at this point? I mean, we are reviewing these like back backwardly. So we're not reviewing them in the in the time, in the moment. There's a bit of reflection. Um, and so it's either are we fans of Lana Del Rey or are we not? So kind of we've done three albums. I think at this point I'm a little bit of a Lana Del Rey stan, if you will. Yeah, I definitely feel that coming. Um, all of these, I'm like, this album's great. This album's great. This album's amazing. And the references I throw out with them and how they make me feel always go back to like uh, the classic artist and make me yeah. feel in the same regard as that. So I'm a very much at this point a uh, Lana Del Rey stand. So uh, yeah. let us know if you want another one. We'll do it. If you don't want another one, we won't. So yeah, for sure. Let us know. And yeah, I also agree. I I I'm. <sighs> I'm Team Lana Del Rey at this point. I don't. I, I've. I've yet to hear anything that I don't like. And ultimately, too, this is her third album from 2014, and I listened to it, and it. I. I it excited me. You know what I mean? Ten, I'm like almost 10 years old. Yeah, I'm like, oh shit! Like, and it's exciting. So that to me, that's the. That's the whole thing. That's that. That's that. Like, you know, you. You. There's a band that you love that you found out they they dropped an album that you haven't heard before. You know, I get that kind of giddy excitement when I'm like, oh yeah, oh we're gonna do another Lana. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's do another Lana. You know, and I and it is. It's very exciting. And yeah, I'm a hundred percent. I'm I'm a huge fan. And thank you for like the three thousand people that watched the other videos and um yes. suggested it because yes, this is thank uh, you. Thank why you. we really wanted to do this podcast in the first place is talk to people and really uh, start a conversation about music and learn about new music and discuss new music and whether we like it or love it and i'm here for the uh difference of opinions and all that so thank you for this wonderful conversation and uh to episode 151 it's been a great one yeah absolutely uh thank you everybody we really do appreciate all of you don't forget though to like and comment and subscribe and uh yeah let us know in the comments below what did you what do you think of this album and uh like luke said earlier if you have any other where should we go from here let us know you know we've we've done the three records so just you you lana fans you steer us in the right direction you let us know what we should cover next um so yeah until then peace and love we'll see you next time guys